Hello, and welcome to Lit by Moonlight, where it's not a phase to misunderstand the intentions of every person in your life. This week, we're reading Emma by Jane Austen. Young, beautiful, and wealthy Emma Woodhouse believes herself to be a successful matchmaker for her friends and acquaintances in Highbury, but everything she knows about romance may be challenged when she misunderstands the intention of every man she tries to set up with her dear friend, Harriet Smith. Austin's satire explores Emma's self-deception, misplaced confidence, and romantic misadventures. Hi, I'm Caitlin, and I saw a picture of two frogs wearing flowers as hats today, and I cried about it. Send me the picture. I'm sending it to you right now. And I will be linking it in our description, or I'll just post it with absolutely no context on our Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at Lit by Moonlight. Fun plug. Let me see. I sent it to you. Oh, they really are wearing flower hats. Tell me you look at that with tears in your eyes, because that's the only response. I'm not even joking. I started weeping. I want to be their friends. Like, I want to be their special friends. I want us (laughs) to all, like, go get ice cream together or something. Right? Wow. I just think they're neat. I can see why you would well up over that. <laughs> if I wasn't so, un- if I feel like if I wasn't on so many antidepressants, I would also be crying, like, really, <laughs> really hard. Um, anyway, who's talking right now? Hi. <laughs> I'm Emberlyn, in case you were wondering, uh, and I'm hoping by the time this episode airs, I will have finally caught Paul Dano eating the bird seed I like to leave out for him on my trail cam. Yes. Um, who's Paul Dano? That's the Riddler from the new Batman movie. Oh. <laughs> well, it's not so new now, but, you know. I don't know. I just, I don't, I want to study him like a bug. Cool. He seems like, he seems like an inter- interesting guy. I, not gonna lie, I kind of half paid attention to that movie. And that I was a hot take. a damn bit of it, honestly. I don't think it was that great. The only thing I remember was being like, is that, is that police officer Izzy Hands? And that's the only <laughs> thing I <laughs> I um I don't remember anything about it. Um, Vishwas says it's one of the, the the greatest Batman movies. I I would say that nothing can beat the Dark Knight. Um, and also I just don't know why we keep doing this. Like DC, like it's time to just like lay it down to die. Like let's come up with some new content or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like I personally. I'm I personally have superhero fatigue, which is why instead of mm-hmm. talking about that, we're going to talk about Emma by Jane Austen. Mm, good so, transition. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, was there a specific moment in the book that hooked you? Um, probably when we meet Mr. Knightley, because I was just like, once I kind of realized what was going on, I was very excited for Emma and him to end up together. Um, this is my second read of this book, and I was reminded that when he first showed up in my first read, I was like, I just know for a fact that this is the hottest man Emma knows and will ever know. <laughs> I want to put him in my car at Wegmans and take him for a spin around the Fresh Olive Bar. Uh, he would be so lucky. I want to put him in the back of a fire truck, like a Dalmatian with a little fire hat on, and just drive him around at parades. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. I'd watch that parade. Yeah. I want to um, put him in a vase. I'm not done yet. No, keep going, keep going. I want him to put him. I want to put him in a vase, um, in one of those like IKEA 
um, display kitchens and just kind of like leave him there and then water him occasionally. That's it. I'm done now. For now. <laughs> For now. <laughs> Tune in later. I want to hang him on my refrigerator. <laughs> I really do, though. I want to put him in my washing machine on gentle cycle. For real. Um, <laughs> how about you, though? What hooked you? Um... Honestly, I was in it from the beginning. Uh, yeah. There was never a specific moment where I was like, oh, I'm in it now. Like, mm-hmm. since I started it, I was just like, let's go. I'm, I'm here. But if I had to, like, think of, a, if I if I had to have a hook, um, I would say it would be where Harriet came in because I was like, ooh, a friend. But also uh, knowing that Emma likes to play matchmaker, I was really interested to see, like, her process and, like, how she would be doing that for Harriet and just uh, their difference in worldview since Emma is so also the urge to keep going Emma <laughs> every time I say Emma I just if that happens at all throughout this podcast I'm sorry it's all I can think of every time I say Emma <laughs> um, but just like the difference in worldview because Emma comes from wealth and Harriet doesn't and Harriet doesn't mm-hmm. even know where her family comes from um, I thought that dynamic was really cool and I was really interested to see how that would play out yeah, there is an interesting dynamic between them. Um, was there, like, a favorite quote that you had? You already know. It's the, if I loved you less, I might be able to talk about it more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I gasped. Like, obviously, from living life, I've heard this quote before, but I never paid attention to where it came from. Yeah. Or if I did know at one point, I forgot. Uh, because I was listening to the audiobook at this point, and when I heard it, I was like, oh, shit. and also like wow um because it is such an iconic line and it's used everywhere um I think that when you love someone or something so much that it seems like it could be easy to go on and on and on about them but when you love someone so much that you struggle to find the words that do them justice it's a whole other level like, I want to do this person justice by telling you just how special they are to me, but the words don't exist yet. Like, that's love, baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How that about you? Speechless by Lady Gaga. Um, <laughs> it was the same for me. I mean, the fact that this woman gave us that line in the year of our Lord, 1815, is actually, like, batshit. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I think what I love most about this line is just the insinuation that were he to say more, um, it would be disingenuous. And he cannot say anything more because his love for her leaves him speechless. It's, it's, it's like a double whammy, honestly. Like, because, like, sometimes you read, um, you read literature, uh, classical literature, with, with uh, a uh, love interest that professes their love and a lot of, like, prose. And I, I like that sometimes. There's some really wonderful lines that have come from right. that. But then again, there's just something really special about being able to say, I love you so much, I literally cannot explain it. Period. Like, yeah, and it's not like, oh, you're just being lazy. You can't come up with anything. It's like, no, I'm literally struggling. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like 404 error in my head. Mm-hmm. 404 error. <laughs> I love yeah. you so much. Yeah. Can't reboot. <laughs> so what is your favorite film adaptation of Emma? It's always been clueless for me. Um, it's a masterpiece of 90s teen rom-coms. It brought us young, gorgeous Paul Rudd. Gorgeous. Who's now slightly older, gorgeous Paul Rudd. Gorgeous. The amazing Alicia Silverstone and decades since of 90s style inspiration, thanks to costume designer Mama May. 
Uh, Amy Heckerling knew what the fuck she was doing. She understood Austin, as I think many sometimes do not, um, in terms of the source material. This is not shade at um, Netflix's new Persuasion uh, (laughs) adaption, which I haven't seen yet, and at the time that we're filming this hasn't come out yet, but will be out by the time that uh, this airs, and I'm going to assume with everything I have in me is terrible. Um, But... Uh, tell me a little bit about your favorite film. Um, first of all, confession: I haven't mm. seen Clueless, so you've not um, seen. You've not seen. Okay, well, I can't wait to lock you in my living room next time you come to visit me, Caitlin, so we can watch it together because it is a banger. <laughs> it's one of those where like when people say you've seen clueless and i go yeah probably and then like i see stuff about it and i'm like oh no i definitely haven't seen it <laughs> or at least the whole thing <laughs> like it's ridiculous um i know i'm a problem but i just wanted to get that out of the way because i felt like it was a confession and i feel like for our friendship to continue on i needed to yeah. confess that to you so yeah no thank you for supporting me and for uh promising a lockdown yeah, anytime anytime um, so that being said, I think my favorite film adaptation of Emma would be the 2020 film, Emma! Ah, <laughs> yeah. Directed by Autumn DeWild, um, stars Anya Taylor-Joy. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, um, I feel like the film, first of all, the film is so aesthetically pleasing, it's hard to look away just from the color palettes used and the set design. It's... It's so gorgeous, and if I loved it less, I could talk about it more, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, the score is something that I think, for me, is up there with the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack from the 2005 film. Um, not that I need to uh, specify it. Uh, we mm-hmm. all know I'm always talking about the 2005 Pride and Prejudice film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only one that exists. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I just, I feel like uh, that movie perfectly captures Austin's humor because it is so funny. Uh, just using the lines from the book, because a lot of the lines ca- come right from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I had seen the movie before I read the book and then reading the book and then rewatching the movie, I was able to appreciate it more and I was able to notice like, oh, I read that. Oh, I read that. And I read that. Like it was, I just really appreciate when films and TV shows know what they're doing and yes. they take right from the book. So I thought it was great with that, but also just some of like the background people are so funny in it. Like um, Emma and her dad have these two servants who they don't have any lines throughout the entire movie, but they are just always in the background and always just like kind of giving each other looks and uh. they always look so tired <laughs> just when they're or- ordered um by mr woodhouse to do something like ridiculous like bring over his screen no not that screen get this one and they like they literally surround him with it mm-hmm. um or just like just these random like there's just one shot where like i, th- I think it's like when Mr. Knightley like walks through the living room and Emma follows after him and it's doesn't it's not even necessary but it, they put it in anyway where they just walk past Mr. Woodhouse and he's just surrounded by screens because he's afraid of getting a cold from the chill. <laughs> I just thought it was a stupid funny little detail. Um so I just I really love that movie and I've never seen another adaptation of Emma but I'll go ahead and say that this is the best one. <laughs> um 
I think I've seen most of them. I saw the uh, I saw the the nineteen nineties Emma. It was um it was the nineteen nineties uh, with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, and um, I didn't care for it. No, couldn't get through it. No, but this I I agree with you. I think Emma twenty twenty is a masterpiece in cinema and in um like uh film soundtracks it's really really good also okay. the scene when mr knightley just like changes his outfit i was like oh my god yeah like yes like what? if if you know you know <laughs> if you know you know i also like the scene where like he walks into a room and he, i think he like takes off a coat and then he just falls to the floor because he's like yes. just so tired i'm big like Bitch, me too <laughs> big mood um so caitlin yeah what song would you play first on the pianoforte for your guests at an intimate dinner? Um, I would play Matchmaker, Matchmaker from Filler on the Roof purely because it's been in my head ever since I finished this book. Yeah. And I don't know the words, so I just keep singing, Matchmaker, Matchmaker, make me a match, match me a maker who maketh a match. <laughs> I don't know the words. I will not learn them. These are the words now because I think that's the superior version. Mm. Um, but... Also, um, I wanted to say Arrival of the Birds by the Cinematic Orchestra because whew, if you don't know what that song sounds like, it's literally one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard. The first time I heard it, I sobbed like a baby. Um, I still cry about it. Uh, even now, it's, I've known this piece for over 10 years and it makes me cry. So I think if I really wanted to impress my guests, I would do that um, song. What song would you play on the piano forte? I said Invisible String by Taylor Swift. Um, and I imagine that a lot of my answers to these questions will probably be Taylor Swift songs just because I think that she <laughs> writes literal prose, at least especially in these last like two or three albums. Um, I think every song, like <laughs> every time we do an episode, it's always like, it's this song by Taylor Swift, which I love that for you. Yeah, me too. Um but it sounds really great on the piano, and it's all about unexpected love uh, that was growing all along and yet went completely unnoticed. So Beautiful. Uh, yeah. What character would you gift a grand piano to? I said Emma because she's just an incredibly complex character for the time she was written in. Um, you know, she's cocky, she's socially popular, wealthy, uh, kind of an it girl, but so naive. And I think uh, has surprisingly impressive character growth for the time period, which um, I really enjoy. And you kind of see that come out in uh, Autumn to Wild's movie. And you definitely see that in Clueless. And I, I just kind of love that for her. Like, there were many times when I saw, like, a lot of myself in her in that like I feel like she's just very like she's clueless (laughs) she's She's just doing her own thing is that why they call it that she's well-intentioned um but also just kind of like a little overly confident in herself um and she kind of has to learn uh through experience that maybe uh she needs to like humble herself a little bit but also um about like the way that she sees the world around her. So uh, I love her. Um, tell me about your the character that you would gift a grand piano to. I would gift a grand piano to Harriet because I just think that she's so incredibly sweet and she's just doing her very best to make it in the world uh, despite not knowing where she comes from or having much money. And I just feel like 
even before Emma, she was just like, this makes me happy, so I want to do it. And Mm -hmm. like, she's just, she's just vibing. And I just, I love that. And plus, I just relate to her struggle to fit in with the people around her when she does um, uh, meet Emma and starts to be a little bit, do a little bit more um, like upper class activities. Um, She really struggles in that area because like she goes to a ball and no one wants to dance with her simply because of like her status and I just that struggle to fit in I've um I've definitely related to a lot Mm -hmm. in my life so um I just felt for her in that sense so I would very much love to give her a grand piano she deserves all the grand pianos several multitudes of even if she can't play it just the gesture (laughs) do you have a character you would bully at a strawberry patch for no reason <laughs> uh, whenever whenever I think of like bullying at a strawberry patch I'm just thinking like just throwing strawberries <laughs> at people <laughs> you're dumb you know, you you're dumb Barry <laughs> <laughs> um, I said the Eltons uh, and then I put LMAO <laughs> <laughs> not because I hated them per se uh, because they were like they were so stuck up but it was kind of funny because it's just like you're kind of laughing at them. Yeah. Uh, but they were just so snobby. And if there's any type of person I dislike the most, it's people who think that they are entitled or better than the people around them for literally no reason. Um, or like they just think they know it all when they really don't. And they just absolutely drive me insane because it's just like, who do you think you are? No uh-huh. one gives a shit. Please uh-huh. leave. So yeah, um, I would uh, absolutely bully them in a strawberry patch. Who would you bully? <laughs> um, <laughs> in a strawberry patch, specifically. Likewise, <laughs> I think the Eltons were just like too much for me. Like I didn't dislike them, but yeah. I just felt like Mr. Elton was very ingenuine, like wanting to marry for money um, and status. And Miss Elton or Mrs. Elton was just like kind of just full of herself but it's kind of like in a silly like oh like you you poor thing like you have no idea what's going on and yeah. you're just talking about yourself a lot like type of vibe like there is no like ill intentions behind it they're just like silly little people um they're just overcompensating it seems yeah. like yeah um I think I should be frustrated by Mr. Churchill um but, but I've read this book twice and I've seen the film adaptions many times so it didn't really bother me um like I'm probably desensitized but I can't seem to separate Christian's character and Clueless um from Mr. Churchill and Emma um which when I was writing the notes for this I just realized for the first time that um the Clueless counterpart for Mr. Churchill is Christian I think that's really funny (laughs) I don't know if they intended for that to happen I'm sure they did what am I talking about but I'm gonna watch the movie just for that I love a good I love a good pun so what say you to people who call Jane Austen's books chick lit or movie adaptations of her work chick flits chick Uh, flicks chick flicks it's a that's a tongue twister um Yeah, so I wrote this question because um, I was reading a lot about it, and I just, like, got all, like, I got, like, I was, like, I got kind of, like, um, what's heated? the word? Not heated, like, Frazzled. I felt, I was in a messy mood, so, <laughs> I don't know, like, because I hear this phrase a lot, like, chick, chick flicks, like, chick lit, and, like, I don't know, man, like, 
I'd like to believe that it doesn't have to be reductionist to think that Austin's works are just for women, okay? Um, but in a patriarchy, I don't think it's possible for things to be any other way, so I want to instead borrow language from ASU professor Devani Lucer, uh, who is an expert on all things Austin, and this comes from ASU News, and uh, she says, if what they mean is that these are brilliant, women-centered texts that considered society, relationships, and romance, then I'll agree with that part of the label regarding chick flicks and chick lit. Mm -hmm. Um, But if what they mean is that there are these uh, little weepy love stories, then I think that they are entirely missing the point. Austin stories feature women at the center of complex stories about greed, education, lust, wisdom, and making one's way in an often unfair world. All just to say that I think like reducing, I, I do like feel like saying that these things are like chiclet or chick flicks in this case is kind of reductionist because in actuality they're just really really complex stories about women and like everybody should read them um I especially actually think that like I mean like I don't want to say that men should read them but I especially think that like if I were to like start a relationship with a, a man um the first thing I'd want him to do is read like Pride and Prejudice and Emma and then just like tell me his thoughts um and that would be like his rite of passage and if he didn't like finish them or like read them all the way through or I'm not gonna say like them but at least have anything constructively critical to say about them um then it would be a no-go for me like he's out he's in the he's out cock blocked (laughs) how about you Caitlin (laughs) (laughs) this guy's so aggressive I love it um, well, first of all, chiclet sounds like something I would order at Popeye's, so I would say make that a meal, please. <laughs> <laughs> Popeye's. <laughs> Louisiana, fast! <laughs> Not that. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but according to Google, uh, why, did I, why I googled chick flick, I don't know, but I just wanted to make sure that I was like getting the vibes i'm just like okay i need to answer this question correctly but i did google there's no correct answer i promise there's just opinions oh i know i just wanted to be on the same page you know yeah uh so according to google chick flick means a movie that appeals mainly to women to which i'll say as a woman this does appeal to me but that is not to say that other people can't enjoy these movies and i love the motto don't knock it before you try it Mm -hmm. um and I know I'm a little bit hypocritical because I have said that the 2005 Pride and Prejudice movie is the best adaptation and no, I will not be watching the rest of them. And I also <laughs> earlier on this podcast said Emma 2020 is the best Emma adaptation and no, I will not be watching the other one. <laughs> but <laughs> forgetting um, that I ever said any of that, uh, don't knock it before you try it. So to people <laughs> who think that these movies just aren't for them, give it a try it's more than just romance like um devani lucer said like you know it's these complex stories and mm-hmm. it's i think like to me these books are what it means to be human mm. and how we interact with people around us um i feel like that's a very relatable aspect um to jane austen's works and i think that's the big reason why we are still talking about these books today when they were written in the 1800s. Uh-huh. Um, so I just I just feel like it, it could be relatable to anybody. So um, if you're not someone who would watch these or read these, um, 
or you do think that these are chick flicks, I should say, watch it. See if your opinion changes. And maybe I'll watch Clueless. And if you don't watch them, then go eat class. Moving on to a more positive note, um, but then briefly dipping again to a negative note, let's talk about peaks and valleys. Um, this is a roller coaster. Yeah, roller coaster emotions. Uh, <laughs> what is your first peak, my dear friend? Oh, my dear. My first peak is Emma and her dad's relationship. I just think that it was really sweet. Not that Emma was like I'm not gonna get married because I like I can't leave my dad like I don't feel like like he was never like the sole reason for her staying at home like I don't Uh. I don't think that was like the motivation for her but I think it was just that she just had such a close relationship with him that she was just so content just staying at home and taking care of him and making sure he was happy and everything and I really like that in the end um Yes, she does get married, but Mr. Knightley comes to her so that her dad doesn't have to move. And I just, I feel like it's just nice to see, like, a really good, like, father-daughter relationship like that. Because he very much cares for her, and um, she just, I don't know, you could just tell that, like, she adores him and, like, wants the best for him. Um, Especially given that, like, everyone else in his life has seemed to have left him. So I just thought it was really sweet, where she's just like, he's my buddy. (laughs) We're gonna... But I'm going to stay here with him. I just, I don't know. I just think they're neat. They are What neat. was your first peak? My first peak was just, and I, I kind of said this before, but how complex of a character Emma is. She's not perfect, even though she seems that way from the outside, kind of in like the 19th century it girl sense, if that exists. <laughs> um, but I think it's just very unique for the time period um, to have such complex female characters. And I feel like, those are the characters Austin does really well. She's complicated. She makes countless mistakes throughout the book, and her uh, character arc is really fascinating. She's also very independent for a time when someone in her situation, living single with her father, would otherwise be expected uh, to get married eventually. And Emma doesn't intend to get married. It just simply kind of happens uh, mm-hmm. down the line. Um, she sees herself as a complete person, and she only happens upon marriage because she falls in love with Mr. Knightley. And I think that's really great that she kind of already sees herself as complete um and because she sees herself as complete kind of like spends most of the book like just trying to help other people um yeah her intentions are good there obviously she makes a lot of mistakes but i just think that's really interesting um i don't know what austin's intentions were when writing emma but i believe she was meaning to say a lot about the place of women in society through emma's character Mm -hmm. yeah what about you it's your second peak well to go along with that i i liked that emma was like, now nah, I'm good with marriage, and she was okay with never being married. Like, like you said, like she was kind of already like her full person, and I think she also throughout the book learned a lot about herself, and like she was able to be like, nope, that was wrong of me. I shouldn't have done this, and she's able to like, uh, learn from her mistakes and become a better person for that. Um, but. And with marriage, I just felt like, like, even though she does ultimately get married, it was just nice to see that mindset portrayed, um, especially from when it was written, um, Uh where it was almost always expected for women to be married off. Um, I'm sure there were people who read Emma when it was published who shared those same feelings and were like, oh, okay, so I don't have to do that if I don't want to. Like, I'm still a complete person if I don't 
fall in love with somebody or if I don't get married to someone just for the sake of getting married. Like like you said, I really liked that Emma was her own person before mm-hmm. she found uh, love with Mr. Knightley. Yeah. It hits. It hits. It her whole hits. character. Her character is like one of my favorites, I think, of all time in like classic literature. Yeah, she's um, cool. And um, I think for me, and this was like, my second peak was just uh, a little factoid, a couple of little factoids I learned uh, when I was researching the book. So what I learned was that Jane Austen essentially wrote this book for herself. So oh. she wrote a female protagonist that she would love and kind of anticipated everyone else, especially people who had read Pride and Prejudice, would possibly very much dislike because of how independent and cocky she is. Right. Um, yeah, I, I love that. And, and it kind of was kind of what the the result of that was is a lot of her family and friends who read the book, um, their, their response had essentially been, oh, I don't really care for Emma. Like, she's kind of cocky, you know. Um, which is great because I think it kind of speaks to the time that the book was written in where it was maybe a little taboo to have a character that was like, uh, so complete without, um, the influence of a man. Um, so that was cool. And I also really like that. Um, so Lord Byron's publisher, John Murray offered Austin 450 euros to publish this Sense and Sensibility in Mansfield Park. So she basically tells him to fuck off and she publishes it on commission. Wow. Um, and I think that speaks not just to her authenticity as an author, but also to keep her characters authentic. Um, and I find Emma to be such an authentic character. Yeah. Uh, so. Also, like, respect to wow. her for being like, no, this is my story. I'm going to do it how I want. Yeah. And to be like, I'm not going to take your money just to get this published. I'm going to do this myself. Yeah, right. It's cool when you can, I think, when creators are able to, like, try to, in, a, in, a, in an effort to try to, like, maintain creative freedom over their work, will kind of, like, turn down big opportunities sometimes like they know what's right for their work uh I think about that a lot when I think about like um like uh Disney (laughs) like sometimes I'm just like I wonder how that story would have been if like Disney wasn't involved this is a hate this is this is a Disney uh, Disney Disney hate post this is an anti-Disney podcast (laughs) just kidding JK which like give me a job not to bring up don't give me a job (laughs) give me a job Not to, like, I'm not going to go off about this because I can't really, but, like, I just feel like it kind of shows how bad Netflix's persuasion is going to be because it feels so corporate. And I'm saying Mm. that having not yet read Persuasion. Like, I saw most of the trailer. I couldn't finish it. Mm -hmm. It was that bad. There was one too many looks to the camera for me. Um, It just feels very... It feels very like we're making this for money, not because we care about the story. And yeah. I hate that. Just saying. <laughs> it's a very Netflix thing to do. Yeah. Like, not a vibe at all. It's not the vibe. Stop! It's not the like, vibes. It's not good. Um, and I'm, like, really looking forward to us being able to maybe unpack Persuasion on Netflix when it comes out and oh, maybe, like, do a little... 100% we will. Bonus episode about it. I love that. Something tells me it's going to be a big, messy, messy mess. 100% a mess. So, Caitlin, <laughs> what was your valley pertaining to this book called Emma by Jane Austen? For Emma. Emma. Um, marrying your brother-in-law is a choice. Yeah. That was a choice. Was a choice. Um, yeah. I, I really did enjoy the book, but I would have been totally okay if 
Emma as our main character never ended up getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, I was already very invested in the relationships that were presented in this book, both romantic and platonic. Um, you know, all the stuff with her and Harriet and Harriet and, uh, you know, Mr. Knightley or Mr. Elton or all, anyone who Emma was or wasn't trying to set her up with. Like, I just felt like those were really interesting on their own. <clears throat> and I don't think anything story-wise would have been missing if she had just stayed true to her first word by saying, like, no, I just never intended on marrying. Um, uh-huh. Which, I mean, you know, everyone's everyone's valid for changing their mind. I just I just think it kind of would have been a cool move for yeah. Jane Austen to be like, it's 1815 or whatever year this book came out, and she's not getting married. Um, That'd be cool. Be I bold. just think that would have been cool. Um, and also, like I said, marrying your brother-in-law is a choice. It is a choice. <laughs> it is a choice. What was your valley? My valley was kind of the same thing like I can see why there are critiques of Emma for not being up to par with other feminist literature um like something that I get stuck on a lot is it's not even the brother-in-law thing Mm -hmm. um it's kind of like the fact that he's like 16 years her senior yeah which like I think the older you get feels a little more chill um but he's kind of like a brother and father figure to her all in one and then she like marries him and I was like Rah. yeah and how old was she she was like 21 ish right she know. was I remember her being 20 something 20 something yeah like I yeah I don't know um like it's just interesting to me that like the whole book Mr. Knightley's like don't do that don't do that and she's like yeah. I'll do what I want and then like she realizes he's right so then she has to accept his corrections and then she marries him and I'm like man damn it men just rule the world don't they <laughs> Jesus Jane Jane Austen come on girl like no um I won't tell you what to do I won't tell you what to do um but my practice has just kind of been to enjoy the book for the time it was written in uh I don't want to make a habit out of handing out like this is the way things were cards because right. like I that's not productive but I don't know how productive or accurate it would also be for me to sit here and tell you that uh, she wasn't, Jane Austen rather, wasn't bold enough in uh, writing for her time. But I can't help but agree with you that I think it would have been very bold for her to suggest that, you know, Emma doesn't get together with um, Mr. Knightley. I wonder if that was maybe like a, a publishing choice. Maybe that would have been something that she intended if she wasn't afraid of like the Maybe she was concerned about, like, the, the, the blowback from that. Well, yeah, that's, that's I, I started thinking about that, too. Like, was that something that she added in for insurance that it would get published because mm-hmm. of the time that she was living in? But then again, what a plot twist it is to marry your, <laughs> your, uh, your um, brother-in-law. I mean, in, in Clueless, you know, I'll tell you what, though. In Clueless, it's her <laughs> stepbrother, essentially. And um, oh, that's, I... That's- I don't give a fuck about that. Do it. I don't care. Do it. Do it. It's Paul Rudd. What are you going to do? You're going to do it. That's what. You find out Paul Rudd's your stepbrother? Do it. Just do it. Nike. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Emma does a lot of matchmaking in this book. Is there a fictional character match you wish you could make? And if so, who? Stupid Joyce and Stupid Hopper from Stranger Things. Oh, retweet! Um, I'm just pay- like, get together, you stupid idiots. Like, 
I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> By the time this comes out in August, and if nothing has happened to them in July when Volume Two comes yeah. out, I will be cutting off all my hair. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks. I. Um, if nothing happens between them and Part Two of Season Four, um, I will be eating the drywall of my house because mm. these two have needed to get together since fucking Season One. I've been rooting for them. And they don't have a anything here. It's so... They were like slow burn. It's so aggravating. And yeah. like, I love slow burns. But this is too fucking slow. Just do it. Nike. I mean, they deserve each other <laughs> on explicitly on the premise that they're not step-siblings. Like... <laughs> yeah. The bar is like, already so high. <laughs> the bar is already high. They're basically parenting, like, these kids. To- Come on! They have three kids together, and they're not They married. have three fucking kids together. They haven't Come even on. fucking kissed. They have not even I kissed. I swear to God, if... Listen, you're listening to this in August. You know more than we do at this point. If yeah. Joyce and Hopper kiss, I know I will have gone insane, and I promise you, I will post something about it, <laughs> because, uh-huh. holy fuck, they do need a kiss. Um, follow-up question, um, has there ever been a fictional couple who got together <laughs> who you felt shouldn't have? I was going to add this question, that's smart, smart. Because for me, it is Ray and Kylo Ren from Star Wars. Um, I'll say it. I don't think that should have been a thing. No. And I'm not here to come for people who might like that, you know, whatever. But I just didn't do it, didn't do it for me. Never no. did it for me. Um, you know, maybe it was the torture thing. <laughs> maybe it was that. Maybe that's why I didn't want them to get together. Uh, stupid. Maybe it's because I was someone and still am that person who feels like Ray should have been a Skywalker, and we didn't want another incestual couple in Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, I just, they don't do it for me, and I just don't think it made sense. Um, it it I don't, was not a good direction to go in. It wasn't, and I don't really remember anything from the last Star Wars movie. Um, I can barely remember what it was called. <laughs> that That's my answer. Is I just, I don't remember the last Star Wars movie. I just remember that happened and being like, what? No. Why? So, that is my fictional couple who should have never gotten together. How about you? Well, first, because I'm still looking for mine, let me respond, because I agree. Like, there's just... I remember seeing that unnamed movie that shall not be named because I have no intention of finding the name out. Yeah. Um, and everything about going to see it in the theater was just, like, nauseating. Like, because like, you just knew. Like, from after the second movie, you saw it coming from a mile away that they were going to fuck it up, and they were going to, like, yeah. pull some shit out of their asses. And they did. And I'm just sad about it. And I just don't know. I don't know. I'm sad about it. It just makes me sad. Like, they were weird together. I still think about that picture all the time of um, of Kylo Ren with his high, his high pants. <laughs> it makes me feel weird. It makes me feel all unhappy inside. Okay. I got it. I got it! All right. What's yours? All right. Okay, oh, Nate and Andy from The Devil Wears Prada. Mm. I I want Nate to die. 
I want him dead. <laughs> I want him dead. Because listen, if you've ever seen this movie, let me just break it down for you, okay? Okay. Andy, she gets a job working for a very uh, upscale um, magazine, kind of like Vogue. Meryl Streep is like kind of like the Anna Wintour um, in this universe. And she's not like, that's not, she's like a serious writer, but she ends up with this internship or whatever the heck, this assistantship position. And like, she actually starts making moves in the industry. And this was not the industry she intended to be in. So she was like, damn, okay. Um, but she starts making moves. She starts thriving. And Nate, her weird ass chef boyfriend, isn't doesn't chef like it. He's like, boyfriend. you've changed. Because she starts wearing makeup and like, wearing nicer clothing and like looking the part of her job and he's like you've changed you used to be like a girl next door but now you're like different and like he's a total schmuck about it and at the end of the movie after all is said and done she leaves she ends up getting a job elsewhere like doing journalism like she always wanted to but they end up together and i just think that's disgusting because he just like didn't support her at all, fully refused to be empathetic to her, understand the fact that her boss is, like, insane, and that's why she didn't have any work-life balance. I want this man to be roasted on a pyre. I mean it. Like, I have never wished death on anybody in my life, but this specific character, let me be clear, not the actor, but this explicit character, like, needs to be on death's door. Like, today. Like, yesterday. Like, yesterday. I love this movie. Don't make me wrong. Don't make me wrong. Okay? But I had to give it, like, one star on IMDb just because of Nate. If Nate died at the end of, like, a freak accident, if Nate got hit by the car, I would have given this movie five stars in a heartbeat. But I couldn't. It wasn't... It just wasn't happening. So that's me. Um, I hope Nate dies. (laughs) You heard it here, folks. (laughs) And that's on period. <laughs> All right. So wrapping up our discussion of Ima. Ima. Uh, on a scale of one match made to five matches made, what is your rating of this book? Um, I said 4.5, um, but I would like to again say five. I lied before when I said 4.5. <laughs> um, I really love Austin's works, and I just like have a really... I have a feeling that I will probably be praising all of her work and I'm mm-hmm. just like very deeply biased about it. So don't like take everything I say with a grain of salt, honestly. Five. Five. How about you? Um, I gave it a four out of five matches made in heaven because I really just had a lot of fun with this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think I'm slowly getting better at the language of Jane Austen's novels, uh, which is great for me. Still use spark notes. Shout out spark notes. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this book and just with every chapter, I was like really excited just to find out what would happen. And uh, there's moments where I like actually laughed out loud. So Mm. I really liked it. Four out of five. Delicious book. Delicious book. Great job with Emma. Thank you all for listening to Lit by Moonlight. Tune in next time when we learn how to be perfectly happy in our own way with sense and sensibility. Ima! 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 <laughs>